And welcome back, Ron Alesco with you. And boy, I am so happy to have these guests with me tonight. You know, it's it's after Labor Day, and I always seem to get a number of CDs after the first of the, you know, when fall begins. And this CD came in, to, in the mail this week, and it stands head and shoulders above so many others. <laughs> uh, it, it's from, from some dear friends who, uh, unfortunately, I haven't seen in a while, but it's good to see them again. I'd like to welcome to the show the Kennedys. Hey, Ron. 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 It has been a while. Yeah, a long it's time. so great to be back. Oh, it's so good to have you back. I know between COVID and everything else that's been going mm -hmm. on, it's it's been, been difficult. But you've put together an album that uh, is your first studio album of original songs in five years. Now, you did a... Well, you were, you were keeping busy. You were doing, uh, <laughs> during COVID, you were doing this wonderful online show and you were sampling the uh, kind of the American song bag. Well, we didn't, we didn't set out to do the great American songbook or whatever. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we were putting together a show for that first weekend of the pandemic just to give people something to do. You know, we were out of work for that weekend and we knew that all of the folks in the country or, you know, where, where the lockdown was happening, they didn't have any, anything to do either. They were stuck at home. So we did a live stream. And then when the pandemic kept going another week or two, <laughs> we, uh, we thought, well, well, we'll do it again every Sunday until this is over and we won't repeat songs. That was our initial pledge. And so we ran through every song that we knew in about three months. Um, <laughs> And then we started learning other people's songs. So yeah, we've learned over over a thousand different songs, and we're still doing it monthly now. We switched to monthly. Right. I think it had a big impact on this album, though, because we really, you know, we love songwriting, and so we kind of focused on doing great songs. And of course, we had to learn them every every week in order to play them. And so it was like getting sort of a PhD in in songwriting. I think we, you know, we would really delve deeply into all. A thousand different songs and then we did our album <laughs> you, you can really tell that the different styles and songs that you're playing certainly influences because it's such a uh, such a diverse mix of styles that you've chosen for this album you know there's some sort of gospel songs in there and some southern rock sort of uh you know you've really uh extended yourselves but you know the, the pandemic started in 2020 but this has been five years since you did original songs you were sort of on a, a little bit of hiatus before the pandemic weren't you or well no not really we we um our last album before that came out somewhere in the middle of 2018 and we were still touring on that album when the pandemic mm -hmm. hit and then the live stream learning all you know learning a dozen songs a week and and putting together a show um every week through the pandemic really that was more than a full-time job we worked more hours on that show than we than we normally work you know um when we're touring so we really didn't have any extra time to go into the studio we'd write mm -hmm. but um then when we went from weekly shows to monthly shows we had a little bit more time to get into the studio and that's when we put the whole record together over the past year you know i think one of the things that was so successful about your online shows is that you two really mastered the medium you know a lot of <laughs> a lot of performers especially at the beginning they were doing it as if they were in front of a an audience uh, sitting in front of them you know thanking them after every song and you know they weren't <laughs> getting that this is kind of a different experience you know it's just one other artist said to me 
now I know what you guys in radio have to do because you, you, know, <laughs> you never see the audience. But you really did a wonderful job of, of, of making not only it look good, sound good. And, and that's something you've always done in your live performances as well. You know, you're very energetic on stage. Um, there's a visual aspect to a Kennedy's performance in addition to, to great music. So you seem to really, really gravitate towards the, uh, the visual end of it. Well, well, you know, in terms of the, the sort of stage presence that someone like you has to have on the radio, we had learned that from Meg Griffin. Right. We had our own show on Sirius Satellite for four and a half years. And she trained us when we first started, you know, not to say too many things, <laughs> to <laughs> say one very clear thing in between songs and, um, and just keep people engaged and show our own enthusiasm. And I think that carries over whether you're playing live or on the, on the radio and, and it worked on, on, on live streaming too. But also sure. um, during these streams, we knew that everyone was at home. We were at home. Our viewers were at home and we didn't, you know, we, I try to keep the microphone out of the shot. We didn't, we didn't want the microphone to be in our faces like it is during a right. show. We wanted it to feel for everyone that we were just hanging out together at home, which sure. we kind of were, you know, so. Um, <laughs> you know, what you're aware of, Ron, is that you're not talking to a hundred people who are gathered together. You're talking to people who are alone or maybe with, you know, their family. And that's a whole different kind of communication. You're exactly. really talking directly, almost like right into their ear. And that's very different from being on stage and going, how y'all doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so we've learned to, to kind of bring that stage energy, In. focus it, concentrate it uh, right at the camera. Well, it's also concentrated into the great songs. And I'd like to play the title cut from this new album. Uh, it's a song called Headwinds, and it's got a little southern soul to it. Uh, oh. How did this one come to be? Well, I wrote it down in the south, uh -huh. so maybe that's where the southern soul came from. Um, I, I wrote it when we were down south last year, and I, I really love finding metaphors, you know, in things. That you, that you notice or little um, phrases and things. And I, I came up with that hook, headwinds make it hard to get back home on a bicycle ride, <laughs> because that's exactly what we were facing. We, were, you know, we went out and it was 40 minutes and it took an hour and a half to get back. And so that, that line came to me and I thought, well, what does that mean? You know, I wanted to make, I wanted to write a simple song that people could relate to, but one that had a deeper meaning and to me, the headwinds that we're all facing are manifold the past three years, the pandemic, the climate crisis, you know, the war in Ukraine, the political polarization in America, and the, the, the way that we, you know, sometimes we're right, right here in the middle and everything's good, and then we tend to, to drift off, mm. you know, that, that, that good spot until when we find that things are really not good. Sometimes it's so we're so far away from what's normal and right that it, it takes much more of an effort to get back than it did to to um, to get away from from that you know safe zone. And that's what the headwinds make it hard to get back home really is about. Although it sounds on its face like a like a relationship song, which is fine if people hear it that way too. And I think you Southern Soul. That's exactly what we were thinking. Sort of like maybe in the Tony Joe White region that's somewhere. Midway between Percy Sledge and Tammy Wynette, 
<laughs> well, I definitely... There's, the... a, there's a magical sweet spot there. And, you know, guitar-wise, that would be like Reggie Young would be the guitarist. Or the very first lick on the record is called the Steve Cropper lick. Oh. So that's kind of defined Southern soul. And I will, I will admit, when I was singing that, I was thinking Tammy Wynette, you know, <laughs> uh, for the, especially for the hook, you know. Yeah, that's soul music, too. <laughs> yes. George and Tammy, they yeah. were soul singers. It's been a comfortable ride With you by my side And nothing to upset our home We took the good with the bad We knew we had a good thing going on But time has a way And there's a price you must pay To travel this road Winds make it hard to get back home The restless breeze made the leaving seem so easy But headwinds make it hard to get back That was Headwinds, the title cut from the brand new CD from the Kennedys. And they are with us today, Pete and Maura Kennedy, their first studio album of original songs in five years. And, you know, we were talking before about 
the transition that you had to do during COVID and all the video. Now that you're back on the road and you've got a busy schedule, in fact, you're going to be at the turning point uh, this coming uh, Saturday, September 16th. The 16th, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you've got a very busy schedule ahead of you. <laughs> Getting back from being isolated and performing in front of a camera now to getting back on stage. Was it a hard transition to go back to, to what you used to do? Well, it was in the sense that um, when we first started doing gigs again, um, we realized that we, you know, we weren't totally ready because we would book, we booked like three tours and then had to cancel many of them because many of the gigs, we canceled everything that wasn't outdoors every time a new variant came along. And then, um, our audience was a little bit slow to come back too because everybody was sure. you know dealing with it in different ways this year though with this um with the record release it's the first really solid tour we've done um that we're we're embarking on we're we're at the beginning of it now in in years and it's so great to to see people to play for people and and have them respond to us and to also meet so many of the folks that we met during the live stream, mm. putting the faces mm -hmm. with the names that we see on the chat there. So that's <laughs> been really great. We're very understanding that the audience doesn't en masse all decide that it's safe to come to go to live indoor shows, but it's really, really picking up now. It's kind of our audience is getting to be back at pre-pandemic levels and, and we're glad that everybody feels safe and we hope everyone stays safe. Yeah, absolutely. Knock on wood. I mean, there, there's all, all these things going on that uh, we, we worry. But, you know, I think mm. we all needed this music and getting back to see it live is, is terrific. Um, and and you, you really packed your schedule. I mean, I, as I've mentioned, you're going to be at the Turning Point on the 16th. I, I see you're also going to be at Cafe Lena in Saratoga Springs on the 14th. Mm -hmm. uh, so many other shows. You can Folks can check out your website at kennedysmusic.com. Was there any hesitation about going back to such a full schedule? Um, are you any worries about okay, what if this picks up again, or what? What are your what are your plans? Well, I think it, um, we've gotten every possible booster. That we've gotten, <laughs> right, you know, and um, and we know um, we know that our audience is smart enough to kind of figure out what their own personal situation is. Sure. Too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, we, we were ready. We, we had both gotten COVID a few times and it seems to be getting less and less, um, severe each time. And so, uh, but we understand that other folks are, um, you know, they have to put, put everything yeah. I know, think in the equation. Everyone has learned to be flexible in a whole new way now. Um, and we've had, both times, the first two times we got COVID, we had important gigs coming up mm. in the next few days. And of course, we didn't do them. We just said, we have COVID. We don't want to sure. infect people. And, and, you know, and people were understanding, I think. So we have 50 shows booked on this tour. Wow. It takes us right up until next, uh, into next spring. And so we just, you know, we have our fingers crossed that they'll all happen. Of yeah. course, if we get COVID, we don't go out into public. We isolate. Yeah. So we would never put our audience at risk. Yeah, that's good like to that. hear. Well, let's hope you all stay healthy and let's hope our audiences stay healthy because you've got mm -hmm. so many new songs now to uh, <laughs> oh, to yeah. share. You know, I, as I listen to the album and I hear so many different 
kinds of music and different instrumentations. How do you translate this on stage? Is it uh, is it easy with just the two of you? It's we easy with all. Pete Kennedy in the band. Yeah. <laughs> totally. We do, we do them all live. Yeah. That's one of the things we like about this album, too, is you, we can do a set that's the whole album. Yeah. I, the way the way that we play, I tend to play uh, rhythm that, that kind of is a, it, it ends up sounding like, you know, snare drum and guitar and maybe a little bit of bass. Mm -hmm. I can play a good solid rhythm like that that kind of fills out everything. And then Pete will play like it's it's like two lead guitar players playing at once. Yeah. So between the two of us, we sound like, I always thought we sound like a full band. And uh, we definitely have the energy of a full band. And we both love all kinds of music. I mean, we were doing this long before there was the term Americana. But, it, sure. but we were doing the broad spectrum of American music, not just twang, although we like doing that, too. And there's some of that on the record. But uh, we would include gospel in that. And um, the Latin rhythms are really fun, too. You know, I used yeah. to play with Charlie Bird, so I, I learned from him how to play a lot of that kind of stuff. And um, so there's, you know, things in our background that that we draw from. Well, the very first cut on the album I'd like to play right now because this is a, a real fun song. And I, I grew up with the music of the Beach Boys and, and, the, and the surfing mm -hmm. sound. Mm -hmm. And you've got a definite feel for that. It's, it's a song called New Set of Wheels. Where did this one go? I, I bet, betting it was something when you were on the road when you wrote this? I, literally. Yeah. Pete was, Pete was driving in our, in our New Set of Wheels and I, was, uh, and I just came up with a, with a little tune. And uh, I was kind of thinking of the band Rockpile when I uh -huh. wrote it. I really liked them, and I wanted it to be a, a you know a real rockin' car song, but with a with a um, consideration for our carbon footprint because we were so happy we finally were able to commit to a hybrid car with you know when we had driven so many gas guzzlers in our, between yeah. the two of us in our in our touring lives that um, it was something we always wanted to do but could, it was always a little out of reach so. Um, it, it makes me happy to sing that song because I feel like we're we're doing our part. That wasn't a factor when Chuck Berry and Brian Wilson were writing their, <laughs> right. their classic car songs. So we kind of updated the genre a little bit. <laughs>
that was New Set of Wheels, a song that kicks off this amazing new album from the Kennedys. Uh, the album is called Headwinds, and the Kennedys are with us today. This coming Saturday the 16th, they'll be at the Turning Point in Piermont, New York. And if you check their website, kennedysmusic.com, I'm sure they're playing somewhere near you because they've got <laughs> 50 shows between now and the spring. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I, we were saying before about, you know, the different styles that, you, that you've played and, and Pete, you were talking about the fact that the two of you uh, have, have loved so many different kinds of music. You both of you, I guess, met when you were in Nancy Griffith's band. And I know since uh, we last talked, Nancy Griffith passed away. Um, do you have some reflections on, on Nancy that, that you would like to share with our audience? I mean, it, it's somebody whose music is going to stay with us forever. I mean, where do we start? She's huge in our lives and um, was always so generous with us, both as a friend, but also as a musician, you know, helping us get out in front of her audience. You know, she would put she put us out in front of her audience as an opening act before we had an album out, before we'd written more than a handful of songs. And she just really believed in us and kind of nurtured us all along the way for 30 years, you know, and so um, we we always think about her in that light, and we always feel like it's up to us to kind of pass that spirit on to, to other young musicians, too. And in a larger scope, I think there's people all around the globe who feel the same way as we do, even though they didn't actually know her personally. And uh, someone asked me recently, they said, what, what was it about Nancy that people responded to? And, um, and the best answer I could come up with is honesty. Mm-hmm. She's a perfect folk songwriter because just like Woody Guthrie and Pete Seeger and Melvina Reynolds and people from that era, or Mary McCaslin, one of her main um, influences, she was totally honest in her songs, and people respond to that. Mm-hmm. They can tell. Yeah. <laughs> they can yeah. tell right away when someone's singing. And with Nancy, it was always straight from the heart. And I think that, that reflects in your music, too. It's a lesson that the two of you must have learned from her as well, because uh, yeah. you know, your performances, uh, I, I've got to see you again. It's been too many years. I'm thinking oh, about I this now. I will. <laughs> I will. But it, it, it's it's an evening of of... of just like this album, you know, diverse sounds, diverse thoughts. And one of the thoughts that I got from this new album is not that you've never been political before, but it seemed to have some more messages in this song, especially about the environment. Was that a conscious decision, um, you know, especially coming out of the, the, the COVID pandemic? Well, when we were writing, we weren't writing to make an album. We were mm-hmm. just writing songs and, and every song that um, we wrote, was just whatever we were feeling at the time. But we happened to be, we ha- we at the beginning of the pandemic, we moved out of New York City and up into the Hudson Valley. And so we were more immersed in nature. I think a lot of people were because we weren't going out to clubs and that sort of thing. We were out in nature, taking walks and hikes and, you know, canoe trips and things. Um, so we were, we were much more aware of the nature around us and when you're more aware of it, I think you're more um, protective of it and you see more of what's going on with it. But also, even though we weren't playing live, we we were playing to an audience and there's a thing called the chat <laughs> where yeah. they respond in real time. Uh, when you're playing a concert, 
they either applaud or they don't. And that's how you tell whether they're liking the songs or not. But they would actually express their feelings online uh, in the course of our show. And we got a real sense that it was like talking with the close family members about things that they were worried about. We got a sense of what uh, this sort of concoction of issues, the climate and also, uh, you know, the uh, war in Ukraine, the political mm -hmm. polarization here and COVID and also not just being sick from COVID, but being isolated. Mm -hmm. All of those things were bearing down on people all at the same time. And um, that informed our, our writing, uh, definitely. We don't think of it as protest writing. We think of it as addressing concerns. Did, did you get any pushback from some of the audience? I mean, we've become such a polarized nation with people on both sides of the issue really no longer afraid to speak up. But did that affect you at all? Did you get any negative comments from people about some of the issues you were singing about? No. Great. None. Not really. There, there was think... one guy, I will say, because it's kind of silly. Um, we played a show uh, just last week, and we did our song um, Late September Breeze, and there's a little, It's it's it paints a picture, um, and it's a song about longing for a, a, a time that's passed and that sort of thing and there's an image of ice fishermen and this guy got really upset that i put an ice fisherman in the song <laughs> like i didn't and then you know he's i don't know i said you know i'm just i'm just i'm just painting a picture like if right. you read a novel you know there's always you know there's always going to be somebody to it but right. that's that's the 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 all of it. I think the, <laughs> the trick right now is to try to bring people together. And yeah. It's so challenging because the forces that are deliberately creating polarization are so are mega huge, and we're very small. Our voice is small. We're just a couple of you know folk singers, but at least among our listeners, we we do try to feel that it's a community, affirm that it's a community. Absolutely, it's very tricky nowadays. Yeah. There's one song on the album that I, I particularly love. It's a, a song called The Woods in the Wild. And I guess it's talking about the nature that you were you were discussing. Um, I'm assuming this probably came from A Walk in the Woods. Is that how this was written? Yeah, you know, um, I grew up down near Washington, D.C. And um, uh, Washington has a majority black population. You don't hear about that in the news. All you hear about is the politicians who aren't really real Washingtonians. So if you're a townie growing up there, you're very aware of gospel music, soul music. Back when I was growing up was a huge thing. And so I heard those things all the time and played that kind of music in bands. And um, and so it was very natural to, to write a gospel song. But if you go back to our song Stand, which we wrote mm -hmm. about 20 years ago, we deliberately cast it as a non-denominational gospel song. So we're not promulgating any particular religion. And with this one, we took it maybe a step further or a different kind of approach. And we said, well, what's the one thing that everybody definitely shares? And it's that we're part of nature. Sure. If you're here at all, you can't deny it. If you're on the planet, you can't mm. deny that. And so... We thought, how about a gospel song that celebrates nature rather than one exclusive religious belief? And so it's a, I would say it's a spiritual song, but 
but the spiritual part is about nature. Share in the joy, we share in the pain. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
The Woods and the Wild. That's the Kennedys, <laughs> cut from their brand new album. Uh, the album is called Headwinds. And they're going to be at the Turning Point in Piermont this coming Saturday, September 16th. And they're with us today, uh, Pete and Maura Kennedy. Uh, you know, this is such a moving album. You know, and there's songs that are uplifting, songs about loss, um, songs, I guess... I mean, you've been doing this for 30 years, so you've learned a lot down the road. So this is kind of where you're at at yeah. this point in time. Um, you know, looking back on that 30 years, when you first started out and to where you are now, how has it changed? Uh, I'm sure in many different ways, but is there something overwhelming that you've seen, good or bad, that's uh, occurred in, the, in your lives and in the music industry? I'll say that when we started, you know, we signed with a record label, and um, they kind of guided us like they would um, we would submit songs and they would give their opinions and and then you would record the album and turn it in and then they would run with it and and do all the things that were mysterious to us that record labels did and in the years you know with every record we learned a little something and we got more aware of of what you need to do but we also got more directly in touch with our own audience because of things like, well, most recently the live stream, but just the internet in general. Mm -hmm. When we first started, there there wasn't an internet. That's how sure. long ago mm -hmm. we started. So we're able to um, be in direct touch with our, with our fans. And even to the point when we were doing our live stream, people would request songs that we didn't even know. And we <laughs> would learn them like, hey, how did I not know that song? It's so great, you know? So um, in that respect, I feel like there's a direct line between um, when we create a song and when our audience hears it, and um, I think that's I think that's a real benefit. You know, when we first started recording, we we got a portable recording thing. It was long before there was Pro Tools and everybody had recording in their computer, and uh, we kept we carried it around the country in our van, and we would record wherever we were. And when, uh, I know when Life is Large came out, there were articles in magazines, like audio magazines, duo records themselves <laughs> on the on road. road. <laughs> and uh, it was such a big deal at the time. And, um, and now, of course, everybody does that. And that's been a good thing, I think, because you don't have the gatekeepers at yeah. a big record label to tell you whether you're successful or not. Success for us is doing an album like this one, where we feel like we really uh, put across what we wanted to in the songs. And we don't need a, some executive somewhere to tell us whether it's good or not. So sure. That, that, that kind of freedom and independence is, is what we've always sought. Is there a downside at all to that independence? I mean, now that you were saying, like, everybody can record the at home nowadays. <laughs> it must be more competition, you know, fewer gigs. Does that ever become an issue? I don't, it, not for us. I mean, we don't no. look at me. We've never look at, looked at music as a competition, for right. one thing. And we know that, you know, when we when we write a song, we'll keep writing until we know that it's it's up to our standards. And we'll record an album um, that we we would listen to ourselves. And I think, yeah, there are a whole lot of people recording out there, but you know, they may not they may not be recording for anything but their their friends, you know. Mm -hmm. And whatever they're doing, whatever anyone's doing, if you're expressing yourself, 
you know, your audience is going to find you. And it may not be like it was in the old days when there were three TV stations total <laughs> and, you know, Ed Sullivan would bring you on and everybody in America would hear you. Um, but we, we feel really confident that our audience finds us. The, the people yeah. who need um, songs like the ones we write, they find us. And we're, that's all we could ever wish for. But I don't feel anymore that um, songwriting, that kind of personal songwriting that Moore is talking about, is going to die out with our generation because I'm so heartened by the uh, Taylor Swift doing the, the biggest music tour that's ever happened. And mm -hmm. it, it, she's a guitar playing singer songwriter. And she has 70,000 young people coming to see her uh, every, every night of the week. I think that's amazing because we know some of those people. We knew some of them as adolescents uh, 10 years ago, and they were completely gaga about Taylor Swift, the way people in our generation were about Bob Dylan and the Beatles. And they got guitars. We found guitars for them because they said, we want to we, we wanna be like Taylor Swift and play guitar and write our own songs. And, and that's what they do. So I think there are thousands of those young people now doing that. And, and I'm really encouraged by that. I think it's great. I agree with you. I, I, you should see my mailbox. I mean, we're getting so many wonderful young artists mm -hmm. that are recording. And uh, yeah, the music is not going to die. But, you know, luckily we have the Kennedys and <laughs> to set an example. And, and this new album, Headwinds, is just spectacular. And I am so happy that you've released it. It's something we've all needed. And uh, I want to thank you, too, for joining me today on the show. And uh, I... Thank you for recording this. Thank you for touring. Again, you'll be at the <laughs> turning point on this coming Saturday, the 16th. And uh, I hope we get to see each other down the road sometime very soon. I hope uh, so, too. Um, I, I want to play the final song on the album, Waging Peace. Uh, this is a message I think that's perfect for our times. How did this one come to be written? Well, you know, there's the old... Um the old folk ballad form where they ask a question and then, you know, uh, well, Bob Dylan did it in Blowing in the Wind. Right. Um, and then there's old, old like child ballads that, you know, where have you been, you know, my darling young son, that kind of thing. And uh, we thought, you know, if you're going to, if you are going to do something political, I mean, first of all, I don't think that the notion of peace <laughs> should be political. I think, right. I think the one yeah. thing that everybody in the world should want anyway is peace sure um so i don't think of it as a protest song i think of it as just rather than telling a person how they should feel asking them you mm -hmm. know and uh it's more direct that way and i think like to your point the questions in the song are not political they're about right. humanity right about yeah. being human it's something we all need now well yeah. pete Moore, kennedy thank you both for being here today thank you for this and uh i hope to see you real soon Thank you, Ron. Thank Come you, down Ron. to the turning point on yeah. Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> you, might see, you might see me there. Thank you All so right. much. Okay. Uh, here now are the Kennedys, Waging Peace, the new album, Headwinds. <laughs> Waging peace 
many crosses burned? How many lessons learned till we begin waging peace? How many reasons why? How many more must die till we begin waging peace? How many souls were sold? How many lies will be told till we begin waging peace? The chain of hate, it must be broken. It's not too late. The wheels in motion stand up straight. skies till we begin waging Waging peace to we 